have communion, I have something I just need to share with everybody. I actually have a gift for you as well. But this is something that I feel like God's placed on my heart. And um, in addition to giving you something, I'm, gonna a- I'm asking something of all of you. And I don't do that very often. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever really asked the church to do something in particular. But I really believe that this is the time that we need to do this. We have got several, in addition to all this COVID weirdness that we're dealing with right now, um, which is just the world in general, it's not the, you know this church in particular, there are some things that are sort of, let me, let me put it a different way. I feel like our church is at a crossroads. And I said this the other night. And the reason for that is, is there's several. First of all, we are inside of a year now of needing to renew the lease on this building. And um, I want us to know exactly where we're supposed to be. I don't want to just sign a lease and assume this is where we're supposed to be and go for another three years if that's not where God wants us to be. And so that's reason number one for this. Reason number two is that we are, as a staff, have really felt like God is calling the church to start a preschool. Now, you may know that there was a preschool here for a while, that uh, actually a good long while, eight, nine years, I think. And uh, Karen has left and has moved to the West End, which is, I think, a good deal for her uh, for a number of reasons. But it leaves that space across the hall vacant during the week. And we feel like a preschool would be the ideal way to spread the love and the word of Jesus to people that don't know him. Because preschools are wonderful ways of bringing younger families into the church. And so not only do you get to teach their kids about Jesus, but ultimately the kids actually bring the parents to church. And so that's the second thing. The third thing is just simply a financial request. Now, we're fine financially. There's no big problem there. But if we are going to move forward and do some of the things that I've just talked about, in other words, let's say God puts it, on, uh, puts it in front of us that there's a building available. But it's not for lease. It's something that we would need to buy. Well, do we have enough money that we can make that happen? Okay, so that's just in... in as well, the preschool is going to require some initial outlay to buy the little tables and little chairs and, you know, all those kinds of things that you need for a preschool. And so that's going to require funding as well. So what the way I want to approach this as a church is to call the church to 21 days of prayer, okay? And for the next 21 days, actually starting on September the 10th, for 21 days, we're all going to pray. At least I hope we're all going to pray. And at the end of that 21 days, which actually ends on September the 30th, the very next day is October 1st, which just happens to be the next corporate prayer night. And I would hope that we would all be able to get together at that point and share what God's been speaking to each one of us about these things. 
And so in order to do that, I, and I won't share this story now, um, it would take longer than I really want to take at the moment, but this little book kind of dropped into my lap about a week and a half ago. It's called 21 Days of Prayer. Uh, it's by a gentleman named Jim Maximum, with a foreword by Jim Cimbala. And it, it just came completely unannounced, unrequested, came as part of an outreach magazine subscription that I get. I thought, well, that's interesting. And so I just picked it up. I started reading it. I was like, huh, this is really good. And so I've started doing this. And I can tell you that it has dramatically helped my prayer life. And I'm not afraid to admit to you all that pastors are sometimes the worst prayers of anybody. Because we get so busy doing that oftentimes we don't pray when that's really the thing we ought to be doing, more so than the other. And so uh, this has really helped me get that straight, get back on track. So, Andre, would you help me with this? What I want to do, so I ordered 50 copies of this. Would you... Um, hand these out to everybody when you get all sanitized. Um, and I would ask each one of you to take one. Here you go. Um, now, you could, and I want you to use these during this time of prayer. It's a really cool little book. It, each day comes with about a three to four page sort of devotional encouragement about prayer then there are a couple of websites that you go to and there's actually an audio file you listen to which again is only a couple of minutes long but it's someone who kind of prays with you after you read the devotional and the things tie together okay um, now you can keep the book after the 21 days are over you can um, give it to somebody else and sort of share the wealth. Um, but what I want to do too, if you are watching our live stream and uh, can't be here with us today, if you will um, send me your email address, or excuse me, just let me know um, that you want a copy. And if you are uh, a member of our church and are in our uh, mailing database, then uh, all you got to do is say, I want one. If you are watching online, you've never been here, if you would um, text your mailing address to this phone number. And Nick, if you could maybe put this up on Facebook when you get a chance. You don't have to do it right now. Um, but the number is 804-909-2304. 804-909-2304. So just text me your street address, and I will mail anybody that wants one a copy. Okay, we've got plenty of these, and if I need more, we can get some more. Um, but I, I really feel strongly that this is something that we need to do as a church, that we need to figure this out together, that we need to seek God together in order to find out, okay, what exactly is his will for us going forward? You know, it may be that he says, I want you to stay here for another three years. 
And if that's what he wants, that's fine. I don't necessarily have a problem with staying here as long as that's where we're supposed to be, as long as we all feel that's where God says we're supposed to be. But if he wants us somewhere else, then I want to know that too, right? If this isn't the place, where is it? All right. So um, let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for the way that you brought this little book into my life. I thank you for how it has changed my time with you in doing the most significant and the most powerful thing that any believer can do, which is to talk to you and to listen as you talk to us. And so, Father, I just pray that everyone within the sound of my voice will commit to joining us in this 21-day prayer exercise, that they will seek you for the direction of this church as well as for things in their own personal lives as well because this is not strictly to uh, pray for the church but to, to increase and enrich our own prayer lives for uh, our families and ourselves and for the world for the spread of the gospel and so Lord I just lift all this up to you and I pray that uh, within, by the end of today, there will be commitments for all 50 of these books, that they would all be gone, and that we would send the rest of them out on Tuesday, and um, we would have 50 people all joining together at the same point on the same day, praying the same things about our church. So I offer it up to you. You can make that happen, Father. I can only mail them out to people who ask. So we thank you. We seek you in all things. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to have a time of communion. And as I talked about last week, this is something that we don't want to do um, without taking the proper time to sort of reflect. And so we're just going to take a minute to kind of examine your heart, to examine your life, to seek the Lord for anything that uh, needs to be lifted up to him. We now recall that on the night 
that Jesus was to be betrayed, he was seated with his disciples, his closest friends, at around the table. And as they were sharing the Passover meal, he suddenly broke with the long-standing and centuries-old traditions of the Passover and did something that just totally surprised them, which they didn't fully understand in the moment and would only later. And in the midst of that meal, he took bread from the table and he lifted it up and he asked his Father in heaven to bless it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to those same friends and disciples. And he said, take this, all of you, and eat, for this is my body given for you. And the disciples didn't understand. And then he picked up a cup. It was the third cup, the cup of redemption. And again, he asked his father to bless it. This too he shared with his disciples and he said, take this all of you and drink for this is the cup of my blood. The blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Blood that was shed for you and for many so that your sins may be forgiven. And again, the disciples didn't understand. But now, many, many thousands of years later, we do understand. We know exactly what he was doing, that he was giving us a way to remember the sacrifice that he was about to make. And so that's why we celebrate this simple meal of bread and wine or grape juice in order to remember the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. So Father God, we lift this simple meal up before you. We ask you to make it to be for us your body and your blood. I ask you to consecrate all of the elements in the hands of each person around this room right now and in the hands of those who may be watching. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. Thank you, Father. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so we've been in this series and it happened to be my week to be scheduled to preach so pastor jeff has not quit <laughs> there is a schedule yeah uh, don't worry things will make sense again soon you know the deal let's wait on the lord for a moment
Maybe press into him for a moment. Maybe worship him. Maybe thank him. Let's see if there's anything he wants to do. I mean, there is, but I mean, in this moment. And he may give you a word. If he gives you a word, then it's okay. You can, you can share that. Spirit of God, fall fresh today. More, Lord. That's the cry of our heart. Manifest your presence, Lord. Manifest your presence, Lord. Lord, as I, as I go forward, I just ask that you would allow me to only speak what you would have me to speak, that there would be nothing extra. Father, if I say anything that's not of you, just wipe it away from anyone's mind. In Jesus' name, amen. <sighs> There's nothing like a good old-fashioned awkward vineyard silence. That's where the war, that's where the spirit works. So actually, we're talking today in this series of, you know, talking about being in the spirit. I always forget the name of the series. Why do I? Life in the spirit. You think I'd remember it, but I don't. Uh, Life in the spirit. It's really weird. And we're talking about being people of his presence. Amen. Now, the first thing I want to say is being a person of his presence doesn't mean you lay in a grassy field with a harp all day long. It doesn't mean you're overly you know, feminine, if you're a man, I know men have trouble with this concept sometimes of being in his presence. I wanted to actually, we're going to talk about Moses, who was very much not a very eh, kind of man. He was a tough guy in the desert, and God's really revealed a lot, but first I want to talk about how we are called to live not alone, and you know, I hear a lot of times people say things like, I just wish God would appear to me, yeah, I feel by myself. I feel by myself. I just wish God was like a person. Or people will say, I just want to, you know, if you're single, I just want someone to marry. I'm like, I'm all alone. And you you say to that person, well, you have God. Yeah, but you know what I mean. What? I've said it. We all said it. Well, you, you know what I mean. No, no, I shouldn't know what you mean because God is real. Amen. So as we talk about that, I want you to understand that there is nothing that you were created to do in this world, everything, the nothing without his presence, all the way down to, to, to your daily decisions, all the way down to how you run your finances, all the way down to how you run your marriage, all the way down to your 
you know, your marital life. The spirit plays a role. Amen. All the way down the spirit. We are people of his presence. In fact, Moses even says, God, how I'm not going unless your presence goes. And then he says, you know what? That's how they're going to know that you're my people because my presence is with you and we're those people. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. I'm just laying it out. The reason we need his partner, his presence is because we're to live in partnership with God. We're to see what God wants to do. We're to see where God is working and we're to partner with that. But if we don't know his presence, then how will we do that? We can't. We can't do that. So if you go to Exodus 33, verse 7, because I want to live in a place of constant connection, constant presence. And I'm not talking about omnipresent. Yes, we know God is everywhere. We get that. But there is a manifest presence. Amen? There is a presence that is the person of God. See, the presence of God isn't an atmosphere. It isn't a feeling. It isn't a goose bump. It isn't a, oh, I like that worship song, and it gives me the tingles. The presence of God is when the person of Jesus comes in the room. Amen? When the person of Jesus shows up in your life. And, and when the Spirit of God is there, and in Exodus 33, 7, I, I'm going to start. I was reading this yesterday, and God revealed something to me that I never, ever, ever have noticed. So I had to research it, and I had to call some Old Testament people that I knew who know a lot about the Old Testament. I even called a rabbi. But he didn't answer yet because yesterday was the Sabbath, but that's okay. I confirmed it with other people. So here we go. Exodus 7, verse, oh, I'm start, Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp. He called this tent the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each one would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone down into the tent. When Moses had entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and it would stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the door, the, I love this. When all the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the door of the tent, all the people would rise up and they would worship each at his own tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now, we know about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and we know that is sometimes called the tent of meeting, but this is actually not the tabernacle. What? I didn't know that. God kind of revealed it to me, and I researched it. This is actually a tent Moses pitched during the time because what happened was they did the golden calf thing where they were all worshiping golden calves and Moses came down and got mad. So God has, has given the instructions for the tabernacle to dwell in the camp. However, he doesn't dwell in the camp because he's, he, it, there's a whole thing with the Israelites misbehaving. You can read about that on your own. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's interesting because what you see Moses practicing in this tent of meeting is the same thing you see him practicing up on the mountain when he's meeting with God, when the clouds were covering the mountain for days. So how can we have that? Because what that does is that creates a picture for us as Christians on how to enter into that secret place, how to enter into that place of God's presence, because that cloud represents the manifested presence of God. Are you with me? 
I'll tie it up. You'll get it in a minute. So I wanted to just first look at through how Moses did this and help you figure out for yourself maybe, how do I get in that secret place? How do I get in that place where I can get in deep prayer, have a great encounter with the Lord, a face-to-face talk? How many people would love to hear from God? I need to hear from God on some things. Amen? So anyway, I'm going to just go through this real quick. Now Moses, I'm going to start at verse 7 again. Now Moses used to take the tent pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Or actually in the Hebrew, it's more of the tent of appointment. He took it outside the camp, yes, because God and the Israelites, but when you go to meet with God in prayer, what does that look like for you? When you go to, to meet with God and get in his presence, because I'm sure every one of you every night goes and every or every morning and gets alone with the Lord and seeks him. Amen, right? Because we're Holy Spirit and sanctified. So what does it look like for you? Because Moses would take this tent with Joshua outside of the camp and he would set it up. So let's look at what that means. That means Moses created a sacred space for God that was just for him and God. Moses created this tent, this sacred space. What is your sacred space for God? And I don't mean a physical space. And that took work. If you're taking notes or something, this is where to start writing. To get alone and to get in the presence of God does take some work sometimes. It's not always easy. Sometimes you have stuff going on. Sometimes your life is falling apart. (laughs) Trust me, I know. Sometimes everything is collapsing around you. Sometimes you don't know which way is up. Sometimes you don't. There's been moments where I don't even want to hear from God because I'm just having a bad day. And I know he's going to tell me to do the right thing. And I know he's going to tell me to forgive that person. And I know he's going to tell me to not do this. and And I'm like, Lord please not today. It takes work though. You have to press through that. You have to drag your supplies outside of the camp, outside of your daily routine, outside of your crazy life, and you have to set it up. You have to build it up and set up a time and a place to meet with the Lord. Maybe your tent is just a time you've carved out. Maybe that's what it is, but really what it is is it's a priority thing. I'm going to go outside of this camp outside of my life, outside of my problems, outside of my responsibility, and I'm going to set up a sacred space, a sacred mindset, a sacred prayer time that I am going to spend with God, and I'm going to be in isolation. That means turn the phone off sometimes. That's hard. That means walk away from all the drama. But Chip, I have to do this, 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 and this. I promise you there is nothing on your to-do list more important than meeting with God. I promise, nothing. We have to do that. We have to put in the work. We have to put in the isolation, and we have to make it a priority. Moses did not make decisions without consulting the Lord. What about you? What about me? Moses did not like to make decisions. It was called the tent of meeting. He had meetings, literally, with God. Next time you're in a finance, what do we do? What should we do? The finances are breaking down. What's a crisis? What do I? None of that. Let's go out to our sacred space, to our tent of meeting. Let's meet with God and ask him. Our health, what do we do? We're sick. What medicine should I take? What doctor should I go to? Let's make an appointment with God first. See what I'm saying? 
Let's make an appointment with God when our kids don't behave and see how to discipline them. Let's make an appointment with God when we need to fix our marriage. Then we, I'm not saying don't go to doctors or counselors or financial advisors, but if you haven't consulted the one from whom all wisdom flows, if you haven't consulted the one who has all the answers, what's your deal? <laughs> what's our deal? We run to a human person who partially may know something, but God who knows every aspect of every situation that you'll ever go through. We have to start meeting with him first, like Moses. Amen? Then it says in verse 9, When Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> I've act that won't always happen. Me and Kyle have seen this actually physically happen. Kyle met her multiple times where a cloud has filled a room while we're praying. I mean, we've seen that. That's, that happens still. But that is representing them. But it says that it covered the, covered the entrance. You have to enter in. It says Moses entered in. That means you, again, have to enter into God's presence. You have to go and say, you know what, Lord, I'm here. And then it's funny because it says he closes the door with his presence. Because once Moses was in, the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, meaning they couldn't see inside. Could you imagine that? You see, Mo and it wasn't a little fog here. This is a pillar of cloud. Could you imagine that? Moses going in and a pillar of cloud, people being like, what is he doing in there? What's going on in there? So when Moses enters in to the place where he meets God, when you enter into the place God will manifest himself and take you in to his presence. You enter, and, and I know that sounds weird and counterintuitive to enter and to be taken in, but to be taken in is an invitation from God. But you have to show up first. So the entering is the showing up. If you're not even showing up to pray, if you're not even showing up to worship, if you're not even showing up to meet with him, don't expect to be walking down the, down the street, you know, walking the dog, and you just collapse in a spiritual fit, and you're taken up in the spirit. That may happen, but typically you have to enter in first. You have to prepare yourself first, and then God will send his manifest presence and take you in and create a spiritual atmosphere around you. And he would speak to Moses in that atmosphere, and he'll speak to you in that atmosphere. I know you're saying, what's going on? You're, you're confusing me a little. Trust me. He will speak to you in that atmosphere. He will start to reveal things to you about you that you never knew. The other day I was praying, and I was just in the secret place, and I was just pressing in, and I had this memory keep coming up from when I was a kid that made, it wasn't traumatic to me. I mean, it was at the time, but it wasn't like some terrible thing. I sprayed somebody with a water gun. And then, like, they grabbed me and dragged me in the bathroom and made me pour it out. That's not traumatic at all. I know, it's weird. But God kept bringing this to me. I haven't thought about this since I was 11. I was, guess, less than 11. And I said, God, why are you bringing this to me? And then he revealed to me how that incident, being, even though it was little, shaped a lot of my ways that I react to certain things. I would have never thought of that incident. That would have never crossed my mind because it seemed so insignificant. But the Lord knew that as a child, it shaped something in me. 
The Lord knew that the enemy used that incident to deposit something in me that wasn't of him. And that's what he'll do when we truly get into these secret places with God. You'll have things come to you that you don't even understand, that you don't even know. Why are you showing me this? Because people of God's presence, they show up, but they don't show up with an agenda. I I doubt Moses showed up and said, here's my laundry list, God bless it. Sometimes God doesn't want to talk about what you want to talk about because a lot of times we want to talk about insignificant things that he's already handled. And when we get alone, so many problems that we have gone into counseling for years, that we've tried to medicate for years, that we've tried to solve for years, that you have worked on for years and years can be solved in a split second in the presence of God. One encounter with God, he would speak to Moses And it said this, and all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent. All the people would rise up and worship each at his own tent door. Could you imagine your relationship with God, your intimacy with God being so powerful that it caused others to worship? For people to say, that person is so close to God, I know there's a God because I see the Spirit manifest on that person. Because when that person walks in, things change. Have you ever been around just a real Christian person? You know what I mean. Like a real solid Christian person, and when they come in, their presence just carries something. Their presence just carries maybe it's a peace, maybe it's an authority, Maybe it's a, people just start getting healed. Their presence, just, their presence is carrying his presence. And when Moses would go in and that pillar would come, the people would see it and they would just worship because they knew Moses was meeting with the Lord and that Moses' meeting with the Lord would totally shape what's happening. Amen? But what if, what if we sought God like that? What if our church was a church of people like that? What if people knew that when Harmony Vineyard gathers... There's so much of the presence of God there. When I come in with my broken family, all of a sudden we don't want to get divorced anymore. All of a sudden tumors are being healed. I don't know why. I just know if I go to Harmony Vineyard. I just know if I get to Harmony Vineyard that, that, that I'll have peace. I just know if I get to Harmony Vineyard that, that this situation will work out. What if our church was known as a church that didn't base it on, on music or on preaching, but simply on the presence of God? Simply on the presence being so strong and so manifested that people couldn't even walk in the building without an encounter. Me and Pastor John were here one Thursday night and this, this girl walked in. No music, no lights. No, there might have been some lights because it'd be weird if it was dark. But no, <laughs> no wonder she was freaked out. No, there was no music, no preaching. She sat down and just began to wet, to weep for no reason. And she said, this is the most peace I felt. Her father had just passed away. 20-something year old. So this is the most peace I felt. Nobody said anything. In fact, it was really weird for someone who hadn't been to church because we just sat in silence. I don't, we didn't do it, but he did because we were people of his presence. In fact, we said, we don't need to put on a show, Amen. We don't, need to, we don't need to yell. I yell, I know. But we don't need to yell and scream and slap you with oil. I'll do it. 
but I don't have to do it. This girl just had an encounter because God was here. When God is here, it's attractive. What if our church was that place, that place where the people knew God actually was? That place where people knew, man, something is just going on there. Because our church is that place because I witnessed it. But you got to believe it. This girl also rededicated her life to Jesus that night. Amen? Yay, God. A little more than that. And somebody's not burning in hell. That's exciting. Yay. Yay. Okay. Um, anyway. And then we've had other people come in on prayer nights, and they, they've had that experience. We've had people come in on Sundays who have, Pastor Jeff gave a word about a job change, and somebody, they didn't, nobody came up. And then after service, they were like, I was so shocked that you said that. I couldn't speak. I had to wait for the service to end. We had one guy run out of the service because somebody said something so accurate. Literally, he said, I had to leave. I was scared. That's the kind of church we can have if we all get on board and seek the presence of God. Because that's just the pastoral staff. But the same spirit rests on you and is in you. And I believe that, I believe that manifest presence can be in our church to the point where people say, that church, I need to go to that church. Then in verse 11, it says this, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses would turn again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. What does that have to do with anything? Not much, except Joshua is the one who ended up going into the promised land. Now, a lot of people, I've always read it as he's a skilled warrior, but I guarantee it had more to do with him hanging out and stewarding this presence. I guarantee it. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. That's another sermon. So true intimacy with God, face to face with God. How do I get that close to God? How do I hear from him like that? How do I become his friend? Moses operated under the old covenant. Amen. We're in a new covenant, a better covenant. We just celebrated communion, which represents that. So I'm thinking about this tent of meeting. It's not even the tabernacle. It's this tent Moses set up. It's freaking me out. God's revealing this stuff to me. And then I feel the Spirit of the Lord say, well, look at this, Chip. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. That scripture is about sexual immorality. But there's other things in there if you read it. Because I can, yes, read it in that context. But look what else that's really saying to us. Your body, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to build a tent for the presence because Jesus put his spirit in you. The Bible even calls us in some scriptures earthly tents. So God, in order to make it more perfect, to make it so we can even be closer to him, so we can be closer people of his presence, said, no, no, I'm sending my spirit to dwell in you at all times, not at special times. Your awareness of it, that's on you. And then, so I think about that, I'm like, what? And then Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says this, but when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is a streamliner here. He's streamlining all this, all this Old Testament stuff. Jesus says, now you go in that secret place, 
and you pray and you will be rewarded. And that Holy Spirit is in you. I want to go to, I know I'm rattling off scripture. I don't expect you to go to all of it. Revelation 1.10 says this. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. In the spirit is what I want to focus on. Because the secret place can, doesn't have to necessarily be a literal closet. The secret place can be when you're taken into the spirit. John, who was, had revelation revealed to him, was in the spirit. And this isn't some like, you know, hippie thing. This isn't some like hippie, uh, altered conscience, state of mind, acid trip thing. That's not what it is. That's not what in the spirit means. If somebody told you that they're wrong. It's where you enter in. How do you enter in? By worship. By saying, and I don't mean singing your favorite song. I mean just worship like, Lord, you're good. You're worthy. I bless your name. I honor you because the Bible says he's enthroned in the praises of his people. So if we worship, he has to show up. He promised. And it's in goodness and in waiting. Sometimes we just have to wait on God. We're not begging. We're not beggars. But we are waiters. You just sometimes have to just wait. You have to set up the atmosphere and wait. There's this, I'm going to tell a story that's going to make me sound like a bad person, but that's okay. There's this girl (laughs) that I really liked, but she was a clean freak, like clean freak, like everything had to be scrubbed, disinfected. At the time, I was away from the Lord, and I was living in a basement apartment, and I was not a clean freak. I would party all week. I mean, it looked like you would walk in, Nicholas saw it, it looked like Keith Richards lived in this basement. I'm serious. Like, you know, no telling what you'd find in this basement. But as soon as I knew, if I invited her over, I knew I had to then prepare the place because she wasn't going to have all that. So I would spend a week cleaning this horrible basement that I'd partied in all week and getting it clean and, and trying to at least get it decent. And then I would sit there after cleaning it, and I would just wait. Because when you love someone or you love something, you prepare for it. It takes priority, and you prepare a place for it. And you prepare a place for God to come, and then you wait for them to come. So I remember sitting there and waiting in my clean apartment. I'm like, oh, this is nice. This is real nice. Now, this person is also always, always systematically late by three to four hours. (laughs) So, I really would learn to wait and wait. But then when they showed up, we'd have a great time. Now, God's never late, but sometimes you feel like you've done everything you can do. You've worshipped as much as you can worship, cleaned as much as you can clean. You've prepared as much as you prepared, and you're still not feeling him, and you feel like, I've waited, Lord. You're three hours late. I've waited and waited. But when he shows up, all the waiting becomes worth it. All the waiting becomes worth it because you will have an encounter with him. His presence will manifest and you will have an encounter. And in that encounter, you will get such divine wisdom and such divine revelation and such, actually such divine power. And God's always been like this. Kyle, you can come back up. Nicholas, you can as well. This isn't a new concept to be people of his presence because in Genesis, God would walk in the cool of the garden physically 
You all remember that? He walked with Adam and Eve, talked with Adam and Eve. Then they messed it up and broke that perfect relationship. Then we see him with Noah in the ark, represented in a dove. Then we see him in the ark of the covenant. <laughs> then we see him in various temples throughout the Old Testament manifesting his presence. Then we see him manifest his presence in flesh to die for our sins so we can have communion with him. Then we see him send a Holy Spirit so his presence can be with us, so his Holy Spirit can be in us, so he can be even closer. God designed us from the beginning to be people of his presence. It's really so much of a beautiful story throughout the Bible of a God longing and y'all can cut the lights off whenever you're ready, of a God longing to connect with an imperfect creation. Well, we were perfect, but we messed it up. But with a flawed creation who has rejected him time and time again. He's done everything he can. Think of all the, if you go through the Bible, look at all the ways God has tried to give us his presence. And then look at all the ways we've screwed it up. To the point where he says, you know what? I'll go. I'll send my son. Then Jesus says, when I go, I'm sending the Spirit. And now we can be people of His presence. So Chip, how do I access His presence? I'll tell you. Let's stand. I just want you to shut your eyes or get in some kind of position. You can come up front. You can do whatever. But I want you to have a true encounter with the presence of God. This isn't some weird, like, formula that always works. This is just something that I'm telling you now. You can figure it out for yourself. Try to just wipe your mind clear of everything else and begin to turn your heart towards the Lord. How do I do that? Begin to thank Him. Begin to bless Him. Begin to pray in the Spirit. And just... Just really just open yourself up in this moment and just be, become aware. You will feel his presence manifest when you become aware. You might want to lift your hands, open your arms. Because one true encounter can change everything. And as you're doing this, there's going to be people around the room and if God reveals something to you that you need prayer for, Somebody would be more than glad to pray for you. Just begin to focus on the Lord. Invite His presence. Come, Lord Jesus. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Here in your love, here in your love, no place I would rather be, no place I would rather be, there's no place I would rather be, here in your love. You may begin to feel physically things happening, you may begin to have thoughts or visions, just open yourself to the spirit that's a presence encounter 
we're not meant to do this life without him. No place I would rather be here in your love. Sometimes it might help, and this sounds radical maybe to you. You might need to lay on the floor. You might need to kneel at your seat. You might need to get in some type of position that lowers yourself. Whatever it takes to get in his presence. Whatever it takes to pursue his presence. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Hallelujah. Again, you're free. We know. I'm about to pray. You can go if you want to go. If you want to stay and, and just soak for a minute or get prayer, you're welcome to do that. Father, help us go home safely and help us spend time with you. Help us pursue your presence, God. Help us meet and encounter you in fresh ways like Moses did, like Jesus told us, Lord. Like we can meet with you in private and you'll reward it, Lord. And that reward is your presence. You're such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.